Well, friends, this Friday, I was hanging out with a friend. I was out enjoying a nice little lunch date with a good friend. And we were at this uh, outdoor shopping mall in San Ramon called Bishop Ranch. And we were sitting outside, eating our ice cream, just enjoying ourselves. When something a little bit jarring happened, <laughs> uh, these two women were walking past us and, you know, started to strike up some conversation. They're like, oh, is that ice cream any good? And asked us about the ice cream. And as we were talking about this ice cream, they started walking closer and closer to us. <laughs> and of course, then one of them looks at me and abruptly kind of says, you know, every morning, I pray for a divine encounter. <laughs> I pray that God would give me a divine encounter. And so I want to ask you, do you have a few minutes to answer some questions? And I don't know about you. <laughs> I see some, I see Donna rolling her eyes. <laughs> uh, but in that moment, I kind of knew what was happening. I think all of you know what was happening. Uh, me and my other pastor friend were being evangelized too. <laughs> and so we were sitting there and, you know, we're nice people. So we, we talked to them a little bit. And then, you know, this, this lady asked if she could pray for us. And I was like, okay, that's fine. She prayed for us. And then she walked away, you know, like, okay, they're like, have a blessed day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so we're there sitting and enjoying uh, our ice cream a little bit more. And I swear, not even five minutes later, another group of three women this time approach, you know, they look at us, strike up some conversation, start walking a little bit closer. And then one of them goes, um, do you have a few minutes for me to ask you some questions? <laughs> and so I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? I haven't experienced this in a while. And there was um, obviously kind of the, the internal cringe that I was feeling because I was like, why are Christians so weird? Why do we, why do people do this? Right. And there was a part of me cringing at that. Um, and then there was also a part of me cringing internally because I had to confront the fact that I used to be one of these people <laughs> that I used to do this, that when I was uh, in campus ministry, I would often do this going around campus, talking to strangers, uh, students I didn't know, trying to strike up conversations. Do you have a few minutes to answer some questions? <laughs> and so there was all this internal angst that I was feeling about my experience and both just this kind of weird feelings and baggage I have about this kind of contact evangelism or whatever you want to call it, um, as well as these kind of internal feelings of angst about my own experience of faith um, over time and how I've evolved over time and how I've come to kind of think about and feel about these sort of encounters. But I was thinking about this as I was uh, preparing for this sermon today, because the book of Acts is full of these strange encounters, <laughs> uh, these sort of divine encounters, you might say. And I remember when Barney was preaching the first week of our Acts sermon series, he talked about this, the tension, the baggage that we might feel with one of the sort of unavoidable central themes in the book of Acts, which is this movement of God to uh, call the church to be witnesses in all of the earth, right? And uh, he talked about how Acts is often the book that many very evangelism-focused Christians 
will look to for a blueprint on how to evangelize, how to share the gospel, to spread the good news, to be witnesses. And he said, uh, evangelism has too often looked like corporate expansion. Erasure of the vulnerable and marginalized is too often felt like colonial violence. And some of us can resonate with that feeling, right? These tensions that we feel. And so today, as we come to Acts 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I have to confess some of my own baggage. And, and I was um, even wrestling whether or not I wanted to preach on this passage because in my very staunchly evangelical days, <laughs> this passage was all a go-to, a go-to passage um, that, you know, would really focus on, on actually would focus on Philip and his sort of uh, sort of being called by the Holy Spirit, his faithfulness to respond. And almost this passage was turned into this sort of strategy or prototype of how to engage people cross-culturally, across difference, right? Um, how, to, how to bear witness to people across cultural differences. And all of that, <laughs> the internal angst I felt about that made me not want to preach on this passage at first. Um, and so somehow in, in my process of sermon prepping, it kind of evolved and the Spirit of God actually moved me and helped me to realize that so many times I've heard sermons on this passage, it's always focused on Philip. It's always focused on what Philip does and his faithfulness and his work to kind of convert this Ethiopian eunuch. And, and I was led by the Holy Spirit to focus a little bit, to turn the spotlight away from Philip for a second and to actually look at the life and the legacy of this Ethiopian eunuch, this man who is full of faith um, and to celebrate him as a spiritual ancestor who's part of our greater family story. So I'm gonna do that today. I'm not gonna talk too much about Philip. That's all right with you all. Um, there's stuff to be said about him, but today I'm gonna focus on this man, this Ethiopian eunuch. Is that all right? <laughs> um, and so I just want to kind of set things up and say so far in the book of Acts and in our sermon series, we've been seeing this growth of this beautiful, subversive community, this alternative economy that the church uh, is displaying. And, and then we've gotten into some of the conflicts in the early church as well. And when we get to chapter eight, we begin to see this from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and this fulfillment of the promise of God, um, raising up witnesses to the end of the earth. It's, it's kind of this, this progression that's happening. And Acts chapter 8, the first half is actually really fascinating. I wanted to preach on it. I encourage you to read it if you haven't had a chance. Um, new Apostle Philip, he's one of the Greek-speaking Jews uh, who was appointed in Acts chapter 6. And he is uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts going out and ministering to people, baptizing people. And already through Philip, we're seeing this, this way that the family of God is being expanded. The mantle of leadership is not just with the original 12. It's with these new apostles that are being raised up, even the Hellenistic Jews that are being raised up. And uh, it's, um, it's really interesting. In the first half of chapter 8, Philip confronts uh, this guy named Simon, who has this impulse to try to buy and purchase the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to use and to sell the work of God to others. And um, in this interaction, the first half of the chapter, we're reminded that 
the kingdom of God cannot be commercialized. Um, and that's the sermon for another day. <laughs> but I encourage you to look at the first half. And in the second half, we see Philip continuing on in his journey. He's led um, on this road. And he's led into this sort of sacred and surprising encounter. An angel speaks to him, calls him to take this desert road, leading from Jerusalem to Gaza, and brings him into collision with a very unlikely person. And while we don't know this man's name, we know a few things about him. Um, first, we know that he's identified as an Ethiopian. And just want to clarify that that is not the same as the, the sort of the nation state of Ethiopia that we know today, but it's a descriptor that's likely referring to the color of his skin, his darker skin. In Greek, um, this term actually meant burnt face. And so those with darker skin, um, brown, black skin, were uh, called Ethiopian. And in this context, um, he's likely from this area south of Egypt, the Moreau region. And, and so we know that he, as an Ethiopian, is a dark-skinned man from a foreign place. He's also named as a court official over the treasury of um, Candace. Um, he's over the treasury of the entire Ethiopian court, which means we know that he is um, powerful. He's likely rich. He's working for nobility. He's riding in this carriage or this chariot. Um, so we know that even though he is a dark-skinned and foreign man, that he has a lot of potential power and wealth. And in the midst of that, he's also a religious seeker. It talks about him coming um, to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple. And we don't know for sure if he's a Jew, if he's part of the Jewish diaspora, the sort of scattering of Jews across the nations, or if he's a Gentile. It's sort of unclear, and there's debate about that. But we know that um, he is a foreigner, he is dark-skinned, he is part of this royal court, and he is somebody who is seeking um, the, the God of Israel. He comes to the temple in Jerusalem. He's reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Um, he doesn't have full knowledge of these stories, but he's seeking, and he's curious, and he's wanting to learn, he's wanting to explore um, and grow in faith. And five times in this passage, he's also called a eunuch. And this um, most likely refers to him being a castrated man, um, though it could also be because he was born uh, without testes. Uh, but it means, you know, likely he's been rendered infertile, he's celibate, he um, likely stands out, he might be shorter, have more um, sort of softer features, uh, be beardless, and he would stand out among his peers that people would know that he's a eunuch just by looking at him. And in the Jewish tradition, according to the law of Moses, um, in Deuteronomy 23.1, it states that eunuchs are specifically forbidden from entering the temple. They're not allowed to enter into the temple or the assembly of the Lord to worship. That eunuchs are excluded from the worship that is of the temple. And so in many respects, this man as a eunuch, um, as someone who uh, is is also excluded from worship. He he is someone we can call as queer. Um, he defies the binaries of sexuality. He defies the binaries of gender, um, and this causes him to be scorned by society and also excludes him from religious worship. These are experiences that many in the queer community experience today. And so we see all these different parts of this man's identity. We don't know his name. Um, but we know these different aspects of his identity. 
and the ways that it's complicated, that they're at the intersections of both um, power and marginalization. And throughout this encounter, we see um, through his life, through his faith, through his testimony, that nobody is outside the reach of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and thank you, Amy Beth, that being a eunuch also means that he was considered disabled at the time. So he's inhabiting all these intersections of marginalization in his identity. And so despite transgressing the boundaries of religious tradition by being a queer, dark-skinned, foreigner, disabled man, the work of God is already rich in his life. And this eunuch is a man of deep faith. We see in this passage that he shows faith to make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem in the first place. And he's reading the scriptures. He's wanting to learn. He's wanting to explore and understand more already on his own. That he has the faith that is initiating a journey with Jesus. He shows faith to engage Philip. Philip does this funny thing. This Holy Spirit calls him to come to this place. He runs up to him. And, and, and this eunuch could have just been like, who are you? Get away from me. But instead, when Philip approaches him and engages him, this eunuch asks him to help him understand what he could not. And he shows faith to ask questions, to, to be vulnerable about his own need, to admit what he does, does want to know. He shows desire to understand the words of the prophet Isaiah. Who is this prophet talking about in this prophecy? And ultimately, he shows tremendous faith to even initiate his own baptism. He sees water. Uh, and immediately, he's talking to Philip, and he sees water, and he says, what could keep me from being baptized? What could keep me from being baptized? Baptize me now. I want to be baptized. And what's remarkable about the faith of this Ethiopian eunuch is that as it evolves and grows, it happens actually through just a series of questions. If you look at this text and you look at the exchange between him and Philip, it's just a series of questions, four questions, question, 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 question. There's no preaching, there's no like answers, there's no um, sort of proselytizing. It's, it's a series of query, like there's, a, there's all this um, back and forth uh, with questioning that happens. And so this eunuch's relationship with Philip is not one of just a student with a teacher or an audience to a preacher. They have this uh, community of curiosity, this conversation that's based in question that leads to this transformation of the eunuch as he grows in understanding, as it leads to him being baptized and it leads to him leaving in joy. And friends, in Acts chapter eight, we see this moment of conversion that is birthed out of the eunuch's curiosity and initiative, not out of Philip's coercion or manipulation. This man who was an outsider, excluded from the temple, marginalized in society, as a eunuch, as an Ethiopian, he becomes an ancestor of faith. And he becomes a reminder that Jesus' followers existed in Africa far before any European colonizers arrived. Amen? He becomes a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 56 that says, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. 
this Ethiopian eunuch becomes a living reminder, both for his native community and for generations to come, that God is expanding the story. God is stretching the boundaries, that the family of God is always so much bigger than we can imagine. And the spirit of God is always at work in people, whether we see it or expect it or recognize it or not, the spirit of God is always at work in people. And because of his courageous curiosity, this Ethiopian eunuch becomes one of our forebears of faith. And as I think about this story, friends, I am struck by this Ethiopian eunuch and his faithfulness. He is faithful. He's faithful to honor his own timing, to notice where he was curious, to pursue and to, to seek after things that he was wondering about. He honors his own process, his own internal questions. He pays attention and gives space to his need to learn, to hear more. And it's only through honoring his own curiosity that he's able to come to this place of transformation. And it makes me wonder for us, what are some of the questions that we are holding in these days? So many of us in the church, especially those who have experienced these marginalized identities, we've been taught to repress our questions, to erase ourselves, to diminish our curiosity, to ignore our unique process before God. But the truth is our questions actually expand our capacity for belief, not diminish it. And there's no conversion that can happen without curiosity. And I've been in my hospital chaplaincy program for the last five weeks now. And like Philip, I feel like I've had the privilege of being led into some surprising and unlikely divine encounters into relational moments where I'm not coercing, I'm not preaching, I'm not teaching, but I'm entering into a bigger story. I'm entering into the context of someone's life. I'm entering in to see how God is already at work in people that I wouldn't expect. And I've been struck by some of the questions that people have actually asked me in conversation. And I wrote some of them down. These are questions from sick and dying people. These are questions from patients who just lost their babies to fetal demise. These are questions from family members who are trying to honor their dying loved ones. I've heard questions like, how do I know that God really loves me? Is it possible for God to forgive me? Is it okay for me to be angry at God? Am I giving up? on my faith, if I put my loved one into hospice care, why didn't God answer my prayers? These are holy, sacred questions that I've been honored to hold with these people. In this space, the sacred space of mutual trans transformation that happens through questions, through wondering, through uncertainty, through wrestling, through doubt. And in the midst of these difficult questions, um, questions that honestly I don't have answers to most of the time, we are led to um, this one true thing over and over <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. There's one true thing that I can always lead people to, that God is with you and that God loves you. 
It is the boundaryless love of God in our lives that I'm led to time and time again in these questions. And so friends, this morning, as we remember this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch, this queer, dark-skinned, disabled, outsider, spiritual seeker, man of faith who's shunned by society, excluded by religious tradition, yet boldly welcomed by the Holy Spirit into the family of God, who says there's nothing that can stand in the way of you being baptized. May we draw courage from his model of curiosity. May he remind us that no matter what our cultural background is, the color of our skin, the gender or sexual identity that we inhabit, or the social boundaries that we transgress or feel marginalized by, that none of us are outside of the reach of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always find us in our questions. The Holy Spirit will bring us partners to journey with us in the midst of them. And this Holy Spirit has the power to lead us from those questions into the ever expansive family of God. A family not based on who we are or what we've done, but on the boundaryless love of Creator, the hope that Jesus offers, and the unhindered movement of the Holy Spirit. Friends, may you find courage in your questions, just as this Ethiopian eunuch did. May we learn from and be encouraged by him this day. Amen. Amen.